Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. Rocky, you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. Apollo Creed does. And he's going to prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. And that unknown is you. He picked you, Rocky. Chance of a lifetime. You can't pass it by. So all I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And if I can go that distance, seeing that bell rings and I'm still standing, I want to know for the first time in my life, see? As part of our throwback series, today we'll be looking at Rocky, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, and Burgess Meredith. Directed by John Albertson. Hello and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. It's Gally in Glasgow. And Devlin in London. And Wags also in London. Hi. How are we doing, guys? Are we okay? Yeah, Very good, well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Everyone enjoying this uh, beautiful weather that we're having? Oh, it's, well, just to go off kilter a bit, it's causing havoc at work because we're shooting exteriors at the minute. But um, we've got umbrellas, you know, those shitty little sports director umbrellas, so they're, they're saving us right now. Oof, behind the scenes, in the biz. <laughs> it's all glamour, isn't it? It's very technical. It's very it's <laughs> the highest quality goods for us on, on set, I tell you. Uh, you can also buy your umbrellas from other retailers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have that, Mike Ashley. However, um, driving home, I've got to say, I was, very, I was quite excited about this one. I think you've made a very good pick, of course, with Rocky. It's a good one. I'm looking forward to it. The reason why I picked it is I remember... The first time I saw it, it was 1999. My sister owned the 20th anniversary VHS collection. I don't know if you guys owned it as well. And uh, and at that point, I'd seen Rocky 3 and I'd seen Rocky 4, but I'd actually never seen the original. Oh, no way. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I watched it on one of those like shitty TV VHS combo things. You know, oh, like the one in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, like the one in the kitchen. You the, the legend. You the had a TV in the kitchen. How how rich were you, boys? How else was I supposed to make spag bowl if I couldn't watch aliens in the background? <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, I watched it on there, and uh, I immediately, immediately, even at even at that age, identified with the character, uh, the setting, and also, you know me, bit of a schmaltzy kind of guy. Uh, also, the love story. And what what's interesting is now I look back when I went to film school, I actually sort of disregarded the rocky you know the original rocky film you know quite quite a commercial success and i was trying to explore more artsy fair and sort of less commercial films the sequels they went in a slightly different direction but as i've got older and all my aspirations from university have uh, been smacked in the face by the start <laughs> reality of life um actually i find that this film uh, resonates even more now uh, as an adult than when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah. This film, 
it motivates me it inspires me and i would actually say that this podcast probably owes a debt to the rocky film because i'm not sure that uh, i would have taken a chance uh, and, and trying to push for it along with devlin to do the podcast if i you know didn't go back and watch this film and and it gave me that that motivation. So yeah, this one's an important one to me, oh, really? and I'm really interested to know what uh, what you guys think. Well, just just to just to stick with you a minute, Gully, just because I'm really interested in. I didn't realise you saw them out of sync, uh, and oh, yeah. so how come yeah. how come the first one was so poignant to you after you'd seen the fourth and third one before it? When I when I when I was a kid and I thought of a Rocky film, I thought it was all about you know it's all about the fight, it's all about the montages, the music. And you know the adrenaline and the excitement, and uh, I'd actually never seen the original. I think it was just one of those things, you know, when you're kids and you just don't want to go back and watch a film from sort of yonder year. You know, it's a '70s film. Rocky three and Rocky four, though entertaining, are it's kind of like um, it's kind of like junk food, really. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the the bits of the Rocky story that have just been you know expanded and it's it's very 80s it's excess isn't it and uh and yeah so i'd seen three and four because they're quite accessible you can just go in you don't need need to see the you know the prior sequels to to enjoy three four i mean if you're watching rocky five is your first choice you probably won't go again but it's just interesting isn't it that you um you know that's that's how i felt anyway i don't know about you guys i mean did you see the first one did you see the original first then did you patrick I did, yeah. I I saw them in order, but I, I I was a teenager when I saw these. I wasn't quite as young, and I don't know why. It just um, I don't know. It wasn't. My, I don't remember my mum and dad being a particular fan. Well, you know, like didn't push it on me when I was younger. And they introduced me to a lot of films, but this is one I think I was more, uh, you know, more adolescent thinking. And and when I watched it, and at that point. Uh, I made a point of watching films in order. You know, I was already at that age at 14, 15 that I had hate to watch anything out of order. So I remember watching this and making sure I watched the first one first. I, um, it, well, I'm sure we're, we're going to get to this later, but I haven't seen it in a few years. So I was really glad for the opportunity to watch it again. And the reason too, because revisiting it now and uh, watching it, you know, with the eyes of, trying to figure out what I want to talk about with you guys. It, it, I, it, it's so many things I don't remember from Rocky, especially on the technical scale. And I was, I was really quite impressed re-watching it. But when, when I was younger, I think I took these films for granted for the spectacle rather than <laughs> the technical stuff that was going on. And Devlin, did, what about, did you watch it in order when you were younger? How, how did you come to these films? I think my um my experience of it is is a lot closer to to Galley's, which is I just sort of always remember them being there, and I've seen them all at various times in my life. Couldn't I definitely don't think I would have seen them in order. I would imagine that given when I was kind of growing up, and we've we've talked about this before, and I'm sure it'll come up again, which is that when we used to watch stuff on telly when we were kids, we would watch the sequels because the sequels would end up on TV and Gally, as you mentioned, three and four tend to be the splashiest, easiest 
um, easiest watches, especially four. Four is like a music video. Yeah. Uh, essentially. It's one so big it's... montage or one big uh, training montage. Well, it's the shortest one, isn't it? It's. I guess I'd, I'd never really given them much thought. By the time I sort of came to them, they were just, they'd passed into becoming like a pop culture icon. Yeah. They were the character of Rocky. They were the sort of simulacrum of all of the Rocky films smushed together. It's um, Sylvester Stallone doing self-parodying skits where he does his Rocky voice. And um, so it, for it, same for me, they had been a, a very long time. I'm, I have seen it because I did remember all the stuff that was happening in the film, but there, I didn't have very clear memories of it. It was, it was great. It was a great opportunity to actually sit and watch this film as a film because... I think now it had been long enough that, you know, even though Rocky's never really left the pop culture lexicon, and you could argue that now he's just as relevant as he ever was with with Creed 2 coming out now and Creed being a big success a couple of years ago. I remember it more being quite um, the film that, in my, like, especially sixth form, all my mates really liked, and we used to take the piss out of this guy. Because my friend Michael lived next door to a guy, David. And he reported the next day that Rocky was on TV and we all watched it. You know, it was a film, we weren't texting back then, there was none of that. You know, we just trusted that we were all watching the same film and we talk about it at school the next day. Mm. And I remember Michael coming in saying, David, you know, I think he went out to have a fag. And he saw David in a zippy, in a zipped up hoodie and shorts. <laughs> and as soon as the film had finished, he went for a jock. <laughs> <laughs> Which Still gets the same reaction out of me, though, Patrick. Every time I got, I just got to go for a run now. Right now, I've seen it. <laughs> well, this film, this film is. I went on a trip to America earlier this year, and it's this film is pretty much the sole reason I went to Philadelphia, and wow. I wanted to go. Honestly, it's it's for you, Devlin. It might be a bit more American football that you've got an interest in Philadelphia, and obviously, I want to visit new cities, but. I really wanted to go to the steps. I really wanted to run up them. I really wanted to see where Rocky had been. And this film really influenced me to do that this year, which I did. And I sent you the video, I believe. And you did. You did. You yeah. saw me running up the stairs on bare ice, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> falling over. But I made it. It was great. I loved it. You know what? You've got to feel sorry for the Philadelphia Art Museum, though, because you've got all these people that look like they're about to go in, <laughs> and then they stop, and they put their arms up, and then they go, "I've done it, right? Off home now." It's a nice. Uh, it's a nice reference there, isn't there? In in Rocky Five, well, it's him and Rocky Junior running up the steps, and then uh, yeah. he's like, "Yo, I didn't even know there was art in here." That's my Rocky impression. <laughs> it's going to be the worst one you hear tonight. I think. It wasn't that bad. It was. I mean, it was okay. Sliced alone. He's a struggling actor. He's he's done a soft core porno film, which later gets released <laughs> due to the success of Rocky <laughs> called Italian Stallion. I've not seen it, but I'm sure it's pretty good <laughs> as far as soft core porn goes. Uh, but yeah, he he's a struggling actor. Mm-hmm. He's in he, um, uh, he did Death Race 2000 as well. He's yeah. in Bananas. Yeah, he did he did yeah. a couple of Woody Allen films actually. Yeah. and he was also in Clute. You ever see Clute? From oh 71? yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan, Alan so Pecula. Yeah, he, but he was like bit parts because without sounding mean, because I know that he's got like a, a medical condition, but he's, he's an unusual looking chap. Mm. Like he's not somebody that you would, you know, straight away say there's, there's a movie star. 
right there. You know, in in a very similar way to to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Stallone, just his look is very unusual. Hmm. And and anyway, he's he's at home and he's watching Muhammad Ali fight this chap called Chuck Webner. Yeah. Uh, in 1975. And Chuck Wagner is a basically kind of like, if you've ever seen the clips, he's just sort of like bulky, kind of fat. No one really gave him a, a hope in hell of, of even lasting three rounds with Muhammad Ali. And that plays up in the film. And Webner manages to knock Ali down. Uh, if you actually watch the clip, he sort of stands on his toe. But either way, <laughs> symbolically, he so knocks Ali story. down. And after Ali gets up, Muhammad Ali beats the shit out of him and Wetner does not go down. He finally gets a TKO in, in the final round in like the last minute. Stallone's watching it and he's a screenwriter as well as an actor. And he goes, now if that's not a metaphor for life, then I don't know what is. So he structures a story around boxing and around this particular fight that he's seen. This idea that this one person who no one gave any hope to like, success will be crystallized in one moment right at the end fighting Muhammad Ali and there we go that's the origins of the Rocky story I guess it's just like the parallels are just so obvious yeah. you know, he's struggling actor the tagline for the film is one shot in a million well Stallone one shot in a million at being a movie star and that is this film you know he, he ends up writing his way into becoming a movie star and if there isn't anything more inspirational than that, I don't know if it happens nowadays. I mean, Patrick, you probably know better than us. Uh, you're kind of within, you're in that inner circle, but it's got to be difficult. But if there's anything that just says, you know what, if you don't have a go, you'll never know. Yeah. And uh, and certainly Stallone's story is, is one that, you well, know, things like, just like Arnold's um, is inspirational. Did you see that film, uh, Monsters? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Gareth, um, Gareth Edwards' first film. Edwards, excuse me, thank you. Yeah. You like... I don't know why that just sprung to mind there, Gally. Like he, he essentially shot this film on a DSLR in South America and edited it and did all the VFX in his bedroom. You know, like yeah, exactly. And it's quite achievable these things with um, technology these days. But um, I was trying to think of some other examples. But it, it yeah, I, you've got to take a shot, haven't you? You've got to like. Uh, you've got it. Didn't they say Spielberg just set up an office in LA and did, yeah, and he refused to move? And you know, it, I love these stories. Some of it is you could argue is is hyperbole, mm-hmm. but most of the time uh, there is a nugget of truth in there. So Stallone's written the script. These producers, uh, Irvin Winkler and Robert Chatter, uh, are interested. Uh, they offer Stallone three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to sell the script to them. He says no, which is pretty ballsy yeah. because he wants to star in the film. So he's like, I will sell you the script. You don't need to pay me, but I want to star in the film. So they pay him scale, which back in 1976, for, I don't know what that would have been, but wouldn't have been $350,000, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, a few thousand, and maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And the producers then go to the studio and say, okay, we've got the script. We really want to make it. The studio said, well, we would have given you $2 million to fill, to shoot yeah. it, but we want an established star. So some of the people that they were talking to or wanted to uh, cast in the leading role was Robert Redford, mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds, our man, mm-hmm. and, and Ryan O'Neill. Stallone 
stood strong and said, no, I want to be the star. I won't give you the script otherwise. So the producers spoke to the studio and the studio then agree, well, we'll give you $1 million. And if you go any anything over that budget, you've got to pay yeah. for it. And the producers, to all their credit, they agreed to that deal. And that's how this film gets made. It's crazy, yeah, it's isn't mad. it? Yeah. And it went on, did it make something like 220 million? 220 million? Yeah, wasn't the, um, if you got like budget to to box office, the scale of it is absolutely absurd. And it goes on to win Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director for John Albertson, Best Editing, Stallone gets nominated for Best Actor, Talia Shire gets nominated for Best Actress, Burt Young and uh, Burgess Meredith all nominated crazy isn't it I mean, it's just one of those it is a i mean this the film itself is a cinderella story this is a cinderella story isn't it yeah. it's just complete and of law stuff well just why just to go more into the fairy tale of it um i'm sure you come across this story when talking about butt kiss but he when he was struggling did, i read that he you know he, he didn't have two cents to rub together and he sold his dog and when he got the money off Rocky, he went back to the guy who sold the dog off. And he sold the dog for about $40. And then he went back to the guy when he had the money and said, I want to buy the dog back. But the guy was greedy and he bought him back for 15000 which is <laughs> a proper fairy tale story. I didn't know that one. Crazy. Yeah. Good dog, though. Lovely dog. <laughs> right then, guys. Shall we get into it? This opening title sequence, it reminds me of like a Cecil B. DeMille film. It's like an event picture. Mm. You know what I mean? It is like banging. It's a fanfare. literal fanfare, isn't it? Yeah. Huge block capital letters filling the entire screen as they scroll past. Exactly. And for a film that's made for just over a million dollars, that's pretty ballsy. And, uh, and a year later, mm-hmm. Star Wars does it. It's great. It's great, isn't it? It's just like a. It's a sting. Just gets the audience's attention straight away. What, what it's kind of. Uh, what's kind of cool about the the score? I found that the score actually in this one, like the easiest way to sort of navigate the the plot. We'll get into that later. But um, when you hear this score, when you hear even just mm-hmm. those few notes, you know that you're listening. You know what it is. It, it signifies this film. Um, that's kind of a 70s thing, especially a late 70s thing, isn't it? This idea of a very simple and very clear melody that is going to be forever associated with this film. There's there's not so much of it before this point. You don't really no, get, no. outside of musicals, you don't really get scores that are so kind of emblematic of the film that it is. You've got um, Ennio Morricone's themes that he was doing for them, uh, for the some of the spaghetti westerns which are really kind of clear but outside of that whereas around rocky you've got a year before you've got jaws uh, yeah. a year after you've got star wars and then you've got you know john the godfather oh yeah 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 which, which is what like four years before so yeah maybe it is something that came through with these these directors and these filmmakers in the 70s that they were going to try and nail a piece of music to a film it, it obviously worked for for rocky because 
I mean, you hear that score out of context all the time now. It signifies oh, yeah. something yeah. straight away. Yeah. We're in November 25th, 1975 in Philadelphia. And we fade in on the image of Jesus Christ overlooking Rocky Balboa, fighting with Spider Rico in a dingy, dirty club fight. Crowd of smoking, chucking in betting slips. And we see very, very little skill in this opening club fight. But he throws, the other guy throws in the headbutt as well. It's that kind of... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that is the first time we see Rocky, we see this mm-hmm. sort of pent-up anger. You know, when he, when he gives him the headbutt, it's like all of a sudden he's unleashed and he just, kick, he just beats the shit out of the guy, doesn't he? And then takes a smoke on the way out. The and then he has a smoke, yeah. The way that they shoot it as well, the way that uh, Abelson shoots it, it's almost like a documentary. It's kind of dirty framing, this, this stuff crowd in the frame. It's... Yeah, it, it's not clean, is it? It's just not clean. Even the lighting, there's just one key yeah. light above. Now, here's a question. Religious allegory. What do we think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say I lean towards the, the idea that this is um, more setting the scene and local color because it's a film that has a tremendous sense of place. And the first thing that is on screen after the title is a black screen with the the name of the city, Philadelphia. So this is a, a story that takes place in Philadelphia, which is, you know, it's, uh, or at least it's portrayed as quite a hard scrabble working class. Um, there's clearly a, a, a sizable Italian American population there. So you would just imagine that that type of Catholicism is just going to be baked into the place. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that it, that they would that they would flag that up. I mean, I think it's quite a maybe it's just quite a cute little visual motif. I don't know whether they go in for like. I I wouldn't say that at this stage in his career he's he's trying to make any he's, he's pulling in the jesus christ imagery. i think that's much later um, when everyone gets into the mountains of coke and they start getting the messiah complex so john Avildsen, the director turns up on set sees that mural of jesus christ above the ring and just says you know what we'll start on that and we'll just hand <laughs> down to, to rocky and his reasoning was that uh there would be a subliminal link and Essentially, people would automatically, especially those with strong religious beliefs to Catholicism and Christianity. There are a couple of moments later on in the film. I think Mickey mm. refers to the Old Testament later on in the, in the film when he's trying to convince uh, Rocky to, to let him be his manager. I think, you know, Apollo Creed, apostles, uh, the fact that Apollo Creed picks about randomly. There's, there's, stu- there's religious stuff in yeah. there, but I think it is, like you said, it's more to set the scene and set the characters set the location because it's not it's not exactly legal boxing is it really so you know the, the, mm. the point is no exactly where exactly. they can so it's just a location but but i, I see what you're saying it could be exactly a religious journey for this but anyway as you said he just pat down from an emblem rocky puts on his robe he's just won the fight against spider rico we see the for the first time italian stallion on his back um and what's nice is immediately we quite like Rocky because there's no animosity between him and Spider Rico. It's pretty great to see them have to occupy yeah. the same shitty dressing room. You never, I love that kind of behind the scenes stuff of like, you never think about what, what would happen after something. 
yeah, no, they do just have to go and sit back there and nurse their broken faces. And like Devin said, it's setting the scene. It's setting the, the tone of the film. The Did you say the color as well, Devlin? Which it, it has that. Uh, yeah, yeah, like well, like local local color. You know, you've got the 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 really specific mm-hmm, yeah. sort of Philadelphia accent getting thrown around. Um, throughout the whole film is um, some really tremendous weird turns of phrase, which I really like. You're a the bum. way people speak to each other. The yeah. bum, he calls him a tomato. A tomato. Um, Rocky continually calls people coconuts. It's just stuff, he likes stuff like that. It's um, You can tell that this is a script that's been marinating in someone's head for a really long time in order for them to be able to... It mm. does feel authentic. Just to go back to our last film, Monster Squad, where the dialogue didn't really feel authentic and quite forced in places and hasn't aged well. This feels authentic and of a place and of a time and it 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 listening to it, it kind of sits well um cinematically really and that, well that, but that comes from this that comes from the screenwriter which is stallone you know he's got an authority on this story and the authenticity is the thing that makes us buy into this whole fairy tale yeah. because if you were to look at it from from afar rocky's got 5 weeks <laughs> to train to fight the world heavyweight champion of the world, there is no way that some from where he is at the start of the film to where he ends up at the end uh, at the end that we that that is a believable leap of faith. But everything in this film is trying really hard, and I think succeeding. Yeah, in making Despite us believe my concept. It, it, you 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 don't question it, do you? No, yeah, you don't. And that's because we've got strong characters, we've got strong direction. And they're making the right choices. There's nothing really flashy in this film. Mm. You know, we will talk about it more about the some of the camera moves and you know, we've got Steadicam, only the third film to ever employ Steadicam oh, really? at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, Marathon Man it's, and uh, forgive me, I can only think the other one. It, sorry. The the guy who invented it, Gareth Brown, uh, or Garrett, sorry, apologies. Garrett Brown. He's, you know, it's still an, it's a proper new technology. Count the cuts in each scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's maybe only about four or five in each scene. The, the really, really so, economical. Yeah, setups are basic, and and camera moves happen in camera, even from a fixed tripod point. Exactly. You'll you'll pan, but, you'll zoom, you'll reframe, but it's the same shot. It's cool. And and look at the lighting. The lighting yeah. is really naturalistic. Yeah, there isn't. There's no soft filters. Yeah. They. You know, there's just hard shadows, yeah, like not shadows them. in life, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not hiding them. There's every every scene pretty much has like a big hard shadow cast on a wall. So from there on, Rocky is walking back home, and uh, we're immediately given sympathy, empathy. It's being pushed upon us. He's, uh, you know, he's trying to get attention of the puppies. It's a little bit, it's a little bit strong early on, but yeah, he's he's doing that. And but what it also does is it establishes the the space, mm-hmm. so we can see the pet store is across the road from the boxing gym, which is important. Yeah. Uh, and then Rocky walks past a group singing, and mm-hmm. Devlin, I know you're going to enjoy this one. Do you recognise one of the guys who's singing? Is isn't it his brother? Thank you for setting me up. It is Terror in Beverly yeah. Hills's Frank Stallone. Holy uh, shit. That's, uh, the lesser <laughs> Stallone, but the musician of the two. Yeah. I like that. I like that uh, that, that weird kind of <laughs> barbershop quartet around a 
campfire in a bin. It's uh, well, it's kind of like a glimmer of hope, though, right, Devs? Yeah. I mean, you said it before about Philadelphia. It's this hard. You can tell it's like. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think I, I really love the film is because you know Stoke on Trent wasn't that ba- isn't that bad, but I mean Stoke is not great. Is it? And, is uh, it the Philadelphia so <laughs> Can Can you do it in Philadelphia on a cold Wednesday yeah. night, Gully? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. Mm. And one of the other things that establishes is that everyone mm. everyone knows Rocky and everyone yeah. likes him. You know, everyone's like, "Hey, Rocky!" I think one of them gives him a beer. Gives him a swig and then give it back. Yeah, he gives him a swig. It's like street <laughs> wine. I think they're just filthy buggers. Uh, street uh, wine. I can tell you now, in Glasgow, no one has given away their book fan. Absolutely no. <laughs> Have you asked? Oh, you don't ask him. I'm just wondering whether that might what be a fun experiment. Would you ask someone's book fast on the street? No. Book <laughs> fast makes you fuck fast. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go there. I'm sorry. That's bad. That's crude. <laughs> uh, so the pacing here is pretty slow, and we just see Rocky go to his apartment. It sets, you know, it reveals a lot about his character. You know, he's a dirty, dingy. I mean, it's worse than the basement at university for me and you, Devlin's. I would have suggested it's oh, pretty yeah. minging. And but we're just spending time with Rocky. He's not really doing all that much, but it is revealing a fair bit. You know, the bit where he looks in the mirror. And he's looking at a picture of himself as mm. a young, young I think boy. There's a lot going like, on, and there's that really like there's that pontificating kind of slow zoom mm. into his face shot, and you just know there's all sorts going on yeah. in his mind that he's thinking about. And I like his body language, and when he's there, when he gets the ice, and he just like just smashes it to get the ice out really clumsily, gets the ice and sits down. You can. There's a lot going on with Sly's performance and the character that we're building here. And it's, it's like I said, spending time with Rocky, it's good. I like how deliberate and still it kind of is. And I I like the pace so far. Also, um, his, I mean, his, his parents are, are in those pictures and you don't hear anything about his parents. But no. given how he lives, it feels like there's a there's an unspoken backstory that you as a viewer are allowed to just sort of read in there. Because, you know, you would usually um, depictions, especially depictions of Italian-Americans, um, is that it's quite a gregarious and very family-driven thing. So they would, you know, there would always be at least one scene of people yelling across a giant vat of meatballs at some <laughs> point. I'm this, this is not my stereotype. This is, you know... Well, I'm thinking like, you know, Scorsese being a, <laughs> a, also another Italian-American filmmaker. Uh, most of his scenes have a lot of people like, you know, having these big, these big family dinners. They'll, they'll always be, mm-hmm. everyone's yelling at everyone. And, you know, the mom has to slap somebody around the back of the head. And that, but that's always, and, and but his, his thing is, uh, his thing is so lonely. Yeah. There's a real juxtaposition there, isn't there? From the, the cinematic Italian yeah. family that we've come to know, even in Godfather. And, yeah. and you're right, Devlin, it's, it's inferred. And that's what's yeah. really smart about the script, is that we don't need to hear about how maybe his parents abandoned him, or maybe they died in a yeah. car crash, or maybe whatever. We just get it. We understand the pictures are there. We never, we never talk about them. And that's because they're absent in his life at this point. So we don't need, we don't need to yeah. hear it. And that he that he walks around that he walks around the apartment um, talking to himself. Um, 
I don't know if either of you do this, and maybe I'm revealing a little bit too much, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I, I've not spent a lot of time as an adult living on my own. I've only done it a couple of times. I found out that I get a bit weird <laughs> if I live on my own for too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Please divulge. <laughs> Well, just like watching this back, I just remember, so, I mean, having spent like several months living in a very small apartment in a tiny village in Japan where there wasn't really anyone around. I was on a mat, I was in a different time zone. So, you know, there wasn't even anyone really to, to call up. Um, everyone within a several mile radius would not understand a word I said. Um, and what I realized is that you just, um, it gets a quite quickly you start sort of filling the silence you went wibble didn't you i did i went full i went full wibble <laughs> i put the pencils on my nose the pants were on my head and and i was and i was just wibbling to myself no just I, I, watching it back this time that just really struck me this this idea of just blundering around the house chatting shit to yourself and i never I, it is not something that ever would have struck me up until you know what a year two years ago mm -hmm. when uh when you sort of confronted with this idea of spending the i know i mean you live on your own now galley so i are you walking around the house chatting shit to yourself about turtle food well, or, no, I, but well technically i am because room. i'm in a room talking to you guys about 300 miles away in my pants so yeah i guess i am a bit nuts <laughs> have you are you wearing just in your pants because you've worn out all your jeans by trying to like match or something uh actually i was successful patrick and i burnt them all just immolated them <laughs> yeah it's a little little running joke there for our uh our yeah, avid listeners. So the next scene, we see Rocky, and he goes to the pet store. And it's the first time mm -hmm. we see Rocky with Adrian, and it's quite a it's quite a, a small little scene. One of the things he was doing in the mirror, which which I only caught like the second the time watching it uh, this thing. week. Not... Yeah, he's he's basically rehearsing the joke that he's going to try yeah. and recite in the pet store, and I thought that's really really quite sweet. Should we talk about Talia Shire? Yeah. Most people know her yep. from the Godfather series. She's, I think, she's sister to Francis she Ford Coppola. Is, yeah. is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and she's been in loads and loads of stuff. Uh, I love Huckabee's. Uh, she, I think, her last film was in 2016. I don't, you know, there's certain certain actors and actresses that that have roles, and then that is them. And we've kind of talked about it with Stallone and Rocky. Certainly with Talia Shire, I always associate her with. Uh, with Adrian, she's just she's really really good, you know. Her layers that she's wearing, you know, the like safety blankets. She doesn't want to reveal herself. The glasses off and, and off. She is suffering. Everything. Yeah, the glasses and she's she's suffering from you know uh, what is it like acute shyness? Yeah. I guess I don't think it's just shyness. As we'll learn, there's there's a context to why she's so introverted, which which is why there's clearly kind of verbal abuse yeah. that also goes on. Um, but but Rocky's trying to get her out of it right and what i like is uh stallone looks so joyful when he walks into the pet store he seems so happy to see adrian and then the uh sort of the owner i guess comes in and kind of shoes her away and and you can just see in his face like that that sadness and 
sort of disappointment that she's you know she's going to have to go downstairs and clean out the cat bloody pens. Mm. But she's exchanging yeah. looks, right? So yeah. even though she's shy, yeah. every now and again she's catching a glance. It's 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 beautiful setup. From then, uh, we we go to the docks, and this is where the film kind of leans hard into the hooker with a heart of gold stuff with with Rocky. Well, I, love, I love that shot, the first one of the yeah. docks, and these the forklifts are going down long lens, and they reveal him walking down. It's really cool, and it just feels really seventies to me as well. Um, the whole aesthetic of it is just it's it's a really nice shot. I like um, how he comes up. And then he chases. Uh, we, we find out he's kind of a. Well, he's not the loan shark. He's he's, he's the collector mm-hmm. for uh, for someone. And he, but it's it's cool, isn't it? This setup's really good because yes, he's doing a bad job, but um, he kind of, you know, he's been told he needs to collect the money or break his thumbs. And the guy comes up short, one hundred and thirty dollars out of two hundred, but he doesn't break the thumbs. <laughs> It's 130, yeah. I'm broke. Hey, hey, hey. You're still $70 late. You don't have to break nothing. Here, take the code. Before you get to the city. Here, take the code. Take the code. This one. No, you should have planned ahead. You know that? You should have planned ahead. Who's faking? I'll tape up the hand like it broke the thumb. Planned ahead. Gazo don't have to know. He won't be wires to nothing. Gazo won't be wires to nothing. Keep the code. And again, it's all really nice character setup for Rocky. We're really liking this guy. He's charming. You can see, doesn't he say to him as well, like, I'm not emotionally involved yeah. yet. He he has that. He, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do what his boss has told him. He doesn't want to break his thumbs. And he's a nice guy. He tries to justify it later, doesn't he? So in the in the next scene, he's uh, he, he meets up with the, the mob boss, I guess, yeah. uh, which is Mr. Gazzo, played by Joe Spinell, also of yeah. Godfather fame, mm-hmm. uh, also in Taxi Driver, and for those that love Maniac, he's also in that. He's a great character actor, isn't he? And he does a really. He's good got job. such like nice and, little uh, touches. I I didn't notice until the second time I I, I watched it that um, the great exchange that he has when him and Rocky walk out of the car and he and he kind of tells him off basically. And both of them are doing great work mm. in it. Like uh, Stallone just won't, he, he looks like a kid being scolded. Like he won't look at him and he keeps trying to physically turn away from him yeah. while he's, while he's getting yelled at. And, and while he's doing that, Gazzo pulls out a, an inhaler, which is a bit shorthand, but yeah, you know, it's, it's this idea of showing vulnerability in, in characters. We're not dealing with like a, some evil murderous mob boss. It's... He's sort of chastising Rocky, but he kind of doesn't want to. He's kind of yeah. holding back, isn't he? You can tell. Again, he's another character that really likes Rocky. And with all these characters that like Rocky, well, we start to like Rocky. But you also see that Rocky's still got, he has a bit of bite to him. You know, if, if he's pushed, if he's cornered. But it's, it's great. We get to see that Rocky has fight in him and... We've we've learned so much about his character at this point. I think it's a really good setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rocky goes to the boxing gym. Uh, he attempts to get into his locker. We've already talked about old Dipper Brown. Yeah. Uh, only to find out that his belongings have been removed. He's on and Skid he's, Row. He's uh, yeah. been put on Skid Row. Skid Row. Yeah. And, uh, and Rocky Rocky confronts Mickey. And Mickey is played by Burgess Meredith. 
explains to him that he's not going anywhere. He's not a climber. He's a tomato. What do you want? How are you feeling today? What? I said, how are you feeling? What are you, a doctor or something? What are you, a problem today? Never mind my problem. What's your problem? My problem is I've been talking to your man, Mike. I want to know how come I wasn't put out of my lock. Because Dipper needed it. Dipper's a contender. He's a climber. You know what you are? What? A tomato. Yeah, let's face it. I run a business here, not a goddamn soup kitchen. So good. <laughs> Burgess Merritt is so good. <laughs> Oh, he's I, mean, so, so I love good. Danny DeVito, and I love Danny DeVito as the penguin, but Burgess Meredith. Yeah, he's penguin. my penguin as well. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's pure, like, what is just, his crankiness, if it was a human. His face is yeah. amazing. Well, he, um, he, he essentially sculpts the principal archetype for the sports movie coach, right? Like, if you are yeah. going to take what you want from a movie coach, especially from this era, then Mickey is it, right? He's grouchy. He's got unorthodox methods. You would not have Patrick Lahoulihan <laughs> without him. <laughs> <laughs> if you can dodge a ball, you can dodge a wrench. <laughs> oh, dear. And I like the taste of my own urine because <laughs> it's sterile. Oh, no, is it? Because it's sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of actors turned this role down, though, because they were kind of offended that they had to audition for it. But Burgess was up for it. He wanted to audition. He liked the role. Well, and... you know who, uh, Patrick, you know who else was going to go for the film? Go on. Lee Strasberg, you know, oh, from really? Godfather oh. Part Two, the, the great Lee Strasberg, come up with method acting and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Uh, but they didn't have enough money to pay him. So they went with Burgess. And I think they wanted Burgess anyway, but the studio wanted... Uh, and you've got to be glad that we got Burgess, because he, he... Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. As as with all the casting. You can't imagine anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say, isn't it, when you run through an imaginary version of a film in your head, but there are just some times where you, where you think, nah, nobody should be traded out of this one. Like, everyone who's, <laughs> everyone who's in yeah. it, it's like they were born to portray these roles it's like they completely inhabit them yeah um, but, um, mm-hmm. absolutely and he's he's like the father figure in the story with the backstory of rocky's family but mickey kind of represents that doesn't he and one of the things that i like is when um like rocky sort of you can tell he's sorts validation from mickey you know when he talks about you know i fought last night and uh and 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 you can see in stallone's performance he doesn't really want to tell him who he fought. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. who did you fight? He goes, uh, Spider Rico. Yeah. Oh, he's a bum. Because he knows he's going to... Because Rocky knows that Spider Rico is also a bum. You know, it's not really an accomplishment. And uh, and that's what I really, really like about it. And, and Mickey, he's dogging on Rocky straight away. Mm-hmm. We don't really understand yet why that is the case. But when the film progresses through, you do understand why Mickey sort of lost faith with Rocky. Um, but yeah, it's it's all it's all pretty tough stuff at these early scenes. Next mm. scene, we're back in the pet store, and this time night has fallen. Mm. And this is I, I want to talk about Avildsen's direction. Oh, on this, this one. The scene it's is so lit. well constructed. Oh, it's so well composed, isn't it? Like, don't go wrong, maybe a little bit blunt, but well, with the visual metaphor. Oh, the visual metaphor, <laughs> Devlin, the cage, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't mind. You know, we're in the early stages. We need to we need to use stuff like this because the 
the first half of the film is a slower paced character drama, but it spends so long on each individual scene that we only have a certain amount of time to move the plot forward. So yeah, if you, that's what that's what mise en scène is is for. What a horrible oh, phrase, but it is it is what it is for, which is that you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> but you do. You have to tell a story visually uh, as well as through performance, and it's you know because you said you stuff. were drinking wine. Devlin. It's good stuff. Mise en scène. I'm just imagining you sat down now. I know, yeah. Willing the wine. Do you know um, what I'm drinking my wine out of? Oh uh, God, pint glass. It's a. It's a no. It's a, a neon blue plastic party wine glass that my mum gave me like two years ago, and I've been too lazy to buy a glass made out of actual glass. Oh, Devlin, you do realise I've just come back from South Africa. That's like that's probably what? the most offensive thing I've heard all day. So Abbotson's yeah using the cage. Adrian's behind it. Rocky's a, still attempting to sort of get her metaphorically mm-hmm. out of her shell or out of the cage. And, uh, and one of the things I really like, and it's again, it's these little moments, these little touches, is that when Rocky leaves, you know, unsuccessfully, he says, good night, Adrian. Adrian perks up and says, good night, Rocky. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's a lovely touch because we know that deep down inside, this girl, you know, she wants to come out. And, uh, and one of the things that they do really well, and I may as well point it out now, is like the costuming. It, again, it's not particularly subtle. But just in short, short amount of time, we see Adrian go from this like big, big, you know, layers upon layers and layers of stuff to slowly but surely evolving as her character does and getting more confidence and becoming more extravagant in a wardrobe. And it's, yeah, you can't help but love it. And just in that scene, just because we're there, there's that, that shot I love is the pan over to the mirror. And it just yeah, it's really nice. Looking at Rocky, speak it's the reverse within the the shot. It's it's beautiful. It's a really nice scene, and mm-hmm. and like you mm-hmm. said, it it sets us up for their relationship. What what kind of that the what they have with the barriers that they have at the moment, and it makes it all the better the next time they meet. Absolutely. Do you notice how so um, how oh, low angle? All right, just up until now. Um, how low angle they've been framing Rocky. Hmm. Camera's always been below his eye line, often quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. When he's walking around in his apartment, it's always below him. During this scene, it's below him. But the dots, During it the, was the, below him, the hero shot. Yeah. 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 I, just, yeah, yeah. So I remember like second watch through just thinking, like, yeah, they're always framing him just ever so slightly from beneath. It's, um, it's interesting. It's subliminal, it's manipulative, but it's, uh, it's effective. God damn it, it's effective. Yeah. So, uh, so Rocky helps uh, helps a drunk passed out on the street. Goes into the bar, goes to speak to Paulie about Adrian, and we are introduced to Paulie, mm. uh, played by Bert Young. Sometimes you get these actors that, you know, you said it before, Devlin, born to play the role, yeah. but sometimes they don't even seem like they're acting. Bert Young yeah. just plays Paulie, this bitter, twisted, scared, spiteful man. So bloody well. He's so, so good in this. Yeah. And, uh, and th- even in this opening scene, you know what's interesting about this opening scene? It's just a steady cam shot. They were running out of time. So they just went, oh, just shoot you from behind. 
who else would accept that as an actor? Oh yeah, my opening shot, it'll just be my arse. <laughs> in in half yeah. a mirror as well. <laughs> but it's it's really interesting so because you obviously see Rocky knows who what Paul is about and what his needs are. He gets him doesn't he pour him half a beer and he goes straight for yeah. it, you know. You you understand they know each other. You understand that Rocky knows what what he's about. I always got that feeling they were just kind of yoked together, you know, just just for life. There's almost like a uh, a contrast. So like uh, Rocky is this sort of good-hearted, good-natured, sweet individual, but deep down he's got you know, he's got things, he's got rage and he's got anger that he sort of suppresses. And like Paulie is the opposite where Paulie does these things that are for the good and we'll go into them later on in the film but he can't help but but feel like life's dealt him a rotten hand and he, everything's his you know someone else's fault and he doesn't want to take responsibility responsibility for anything rocky does he just kind of accepts it and that's kind of why i i empathize with him because it's just that whole idea of just feeling like oh you know i wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth or oh i you know if only I could have, you know, if yeah. only I could have been on that pitch, I would have thrown that pitch. <laughs> we would have went state, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. If coach had just put me in. Yeah. But, it's, but it's important, the setup, it. isn't it? And the conflict between the two of them anyway, because when, when Rocky does get his chance, Paulie, mm. I think he does react to that as well. And it's hard for him. Yeah, he to, resents it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. He's Thank spe- you. He's specifically envious of Rocky, no matter what Rocky has. Mm-hmm. So when it's just when Rocky's just walking around collecting money uh-huh. from the from you know for some what does Mickey call him like some some no mark uh, loan shark, he still wants that. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's and what he wants, isn't he? It's like putting a good word with Gaza. Yeah, yeah. And it, and this is why he's. I'll call it. Should we call it abusive of his sister as well? Because yeah. he doesn't want her to. He wants her to share in his pain as well, and it's really well. I, see, I'd argue that he he wants her to get out because he says it, doesn't he? You know, he says like yeah. she's thirty years old, she's going to left on a shelf, and this is where I think you know there's an, inherently there's some good in him, but but they're also he's totally. It's codependent yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Paulie goes, uh, you know, so Paulie goes, uh, goes away. Talks about Thanksgiving dinner. So that's kind of set up. Like, and I'll come in later on. And uh, here's a really, really important uh, character uh, reveal. So Rocky sits at the bar. The barman's there, and Rocky's bought Paulie's beer. Very nice of him. And uh, Apollo Creed. First time we see him. It's uh, it's on it's on the TV screen. And the barman calls him a clown and says, "When are when are we going to get these? Uh, when are we get these proper these proper fighters?" Mm. Also, drops a little Rock. racial epithet on him as well. He does, yeah, he does. Which right. and yeah, true, true to the true to the era, true to the, true to the, to the characters, the, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. And um, and Rocky, he's like, he can't understand it. He's like, "What? What are you on about?" And this is where we see that like Rocky is a big, big fan of Apollo yeah. Creed. He's a big, big fan of someone who, and he says it, doesn't he? He says, you know, he took his one shot and became the world heavyweight champion. Yeah. He respects that. Craziest man is champion in the world. He took his best shot and become champ. Huh? What shot did you ever take? Rocky, you're not happy with your life. It's nice. Me, I got a business going. I don't have to take no shots. 
No one having gone more than 12 right. rounds with him, and that was Jake Dale. Take that up business. So insulting. Want me to take a shot? All right. I'll take a shot. It reveals so much about Rocky because it kind of speaks to himself. He's just thinking, you know, he took his one chance, and... Uh, I kind of never did. And the and the, the barman calls Rocky out on mm-hmm. it, doesn't he? He just says, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're not happy with your life, pal, don't don't put it on yeah, me. He's, he's got a business. He's got a <laughs> business here. Exactly. Uh, it's quite cool. I, I do like the end of that. He's like, you want me to take a shot? I'll take a shot. Yeah. Know, that flipping... It's the central theme of the film. <laughs> it made me think of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but then a lot of this film did. I'm actually working uh, with the director of Always Sunny in Philadelphia at the moment, Devlin. Ah, uh, no way. Matt Shackman. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I, honestly, um, yeah, I don't know whether this is relevant to recording a podcast, but it is a brilliant television show and you should definitely watch it. Cool, yeah. So after leaving Andy's bar, uh, Rocky walks his way back through the neighborhood. Mm, um, I remembered where we are, yeah. It's great seeing so much of this neighborhood and these kind of long drifting shots, right? It's all, like you said, um, Gally, about the opening credit sequence, the sense of geographical space is, is laid out very quickly for us. Absolutely. And and this is where the Steadicam really, really is used to great effect because we're just following these characters and there isn't, there are, you know, it's not cutting. It's just we're just following these characters, and like you said, uh, you know, orientation. But it's also giving you a sense of Philadelphia as a city is a character. It's kind of important that it's Philadelphia. Right. It's the sort of forgotten city. But it's the character. It's the other character in the film. You know, everyone knows Washington. Everyone knows Los Angeles. Everyone knows New York. Other films might have chosen to, you know, shown off the skylines and important buildings obviously we've got the, the museum of arts from the stairs there but really we're we're in the streets and yeah the docks yeah. ground levels gra- ground level thank you we're um, in, yeah. it's it's a really interesting because take on a, on a city and ha- that's obviously how they wanted to show it off where the identifiable things that we now have are the stairs leading to rocky's house or the boxing gym and like you said the pet store rather than Keep, you know, if you shoot in London, you've got to see Trafalgar Square. You've got to see Big Ben. You know, it, it's it's a really it's a really yeah. good development of a city as a character in the film as well. It's really important to the story. I think it's like um, it's like how Attack mm, the Block yeah is set in London, but it's very specifically set in an estate in Oval, and it's it's very much it's not mm-hmm. the sea. It's that area. It's the same with with this. It's like it's not Philadelphia. Most of the film takes place in this neighborhood, and that's cool. It's cool to be able to spend that much time in in such a uh, an enclosed. Because yeah, you don't you don't live in mm-hmm. a in a city. Cities are massive. I mean, we both live in the same city, but we live miles away from each other. Yeah, like you inhabit the space around you. You know, so it's it's cool that that it takes the time to to really paint that neighborhood. Um, and this next scene where you, where you yeah. see the teenagers standing on the corner on the, uh, on the steps of the corner store and Rocky intervenes because he sees a 12 year old girl. Who's clearly the younger sister of one of his friends. We see Rocky trying to help someone younger and 
try and give them advice. He talks about, you know, rep and how important reputation is. And really, this is like an inner monologue about himself. He's essentially talking to himself. And yeah, it's it's a really, really nice, again, character reveal for him. And what is great is right at the end, it's almost like a setup for a joke. Yeah. You know, what's his, what does she say to him? Yo, screw you, creepo. And and what does Rocky do? He isn't angry. He um, just goes, you know what? Yeah. How how who am I? How hypocritical of me I, yeah. to try and tell you how to live your life when I've done such a really poor job with mine. Yeah. It struck me the first time I watched it and I wanted to kind of to see whether what I was hearing was was right. And um I worked out that there are uh fourteen music cues in the entire film. For a film that we talked about that the score is so iconic and that the score is is kind of burned into everyone's collective unconscious, there are only 14 pieces of music throughout the film. And then only, when only that music three, um, yeah, only four of which are in the first one hour of the film. Wow. And each piece of music is probably only about 20 seconds each. And and I feel like they're, they're using it here as just an extra little, it's a punctuation point when they want to make sure that I know Gala, you're um when you look at a screenplay, I know you're big on like structure and stuff. I always feel like they're using this as a as a real like emphasis point. Like pull the audience's attention to what is happening right now. So you've got the opening fanfare, which is that setting the scene of what we're gonna have. The first piece of music is uh just after he speaks to to Gazzo, when he kind of gets embarrassed and told off by him and you see like it's a sort of it's a full stop at the end of seeing what he's like now, like what his um, what his life is like, how people see him. Uh, this is only the second piece of music throughout the film, and it's very similar. It's the same kind of sad piano piece, and like you say, he's just been called a creepo, and he and he's talking to himself and saying, "Yep, she's not wrong." Look at his exterior; he looks like a creepo. You know, black leather jacket, hat works for it works as a collector if you were to walk past rocky on the street in 1976 yeah. you're gonna think oh better stay away from that guy he looks like he you know he looks like he could be dangerous yeah uh, and and that's the juxtaposition in the character right and the way he carries himself as well yeah, he's, he's always throwing, like, he's always throwing his uh, throwing his fists around fingerless gloves and everything apollo creed uh i would argue not a typical mm. traditional antagonist uh played by carl weathers uh, and mm-hmm. in this scene, Apollo and his entourage, the world champion, you know, they're discussing this bicentennial fight uh, because his challenger, Green, has pulled out through injury, and all the other ranked contestant contenders don't want to fight Creed. And this scene is really good for Carl Weathers. I mean, he's, yeah, I think he's so, so good. You mentioned it before again about you couldn't imagine anyone else playing it. I couldn't imagine anyone else playing Apollo Creed mm, other than yeah. Carl Weathers because I think it would be easy to say he's just like doing a Muhammad Ali, but he's not. He's doing far more than that. He might look like Muhammad Ali yeah, a little bit, but it's not really. It's um, this makes me think of um, uh, John McTiernan mm-hmm. talking about Predator when he said that he parachuted um, uh, Carl Weathers into the cast, 
because you had all these these disparate personalities and performers of varying levels of ability and experience. And he said he just needed, yeah, he needed, he needed like a yeah. pro, like a thorough pro to come in there and, and whip more into shape. And I mean, Carl Weathers is, is just an extraordinarily charming guy. Yeah, He's not, like I said, he's not a traditional antagonist like a club of Lang in Rocky three, who's just no. played pure villain. You know, we, when we see Apollo, mm, yeah, he's yeah. the dominant character in this scene. He's the one who's calling the shots. He's the one who sort of in a Machiavellian way conjures up this whole idea of, right, I'm going to do a Cinderella story then because he's all business, isn't he? You know, we never see him apart from in the fight. Yeah. Again, with the costume in, we never see him outside of a suit. He's always in a suit No, it's, yeah. until we get to the fight. Without a ranked contender, what this fight is going to need is a novelty. This is the land of opportunity, right? So Apollo Creed on January 1st gives a local underdog fighter an opportunity. A snow white underdog and I'm going to put his face on his poster with me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm sentimental. And a lot of other people in this country are just as sentimental and there's nothing they'd like better than to see Apollo Creed give a local Philadelphia boy a shot at the greatest title in the world on this country's biggest birthday. Now that's the way I see it. That's the way it's going to be. Apollo, I like it. It's very American. No, Jurgens. It's very smart. He's a great opposite. And, and I guess that's why it works to have him as the... Um, he's, he's what needs to be conquered. But he's a, he's a wonderful opposite in that he's, um, he's all business and he's all smarts. And Rocky is very little smarts and he's all heart. He he'll he'll go and fight some guy in a gym mm-hmm. for forty dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas you know, Apollo Creed will only do things because it it furthers his Apollo's... his his business and his business and his brand is himself. Exactly, and one of the things as well is that you know we talked before about authenticity. Well, Carl Weathers as an actor, he looks the part. You know, he's he's got the physical capabilities. Yeah the athleticism, you know, it doesn't matter if he's technically not a boxer. He looks like a boxer. Uh, so again, it all adds to that idea that we can believe in this fairy tale because we believe that he is the best in the world. There's a, there's an interesting line when they're talking about um, when they're going to uh, choose an unknown fighter and um, Apollo says, I'm sentimental. And that, I, and that I know that a lot of other people out there are sentimental. That he's going, he's going to sell them on this narrative. It, you reckon they, it's a bit meta, do you? A little bit, because the, you know, if um, if you look at the sort of the more um, dismissive reviews of the era in like '76 oh, when yeah. it came out, um, that was that was the tag that was attached to it, especially by I, I remember reading um, Vincent Camby. Uh, his review of it at the time was was just yeah he said it was sentimental claptrap I reckon that's uh... yeah no I've I've read the same uh, smaltzy yeah. you know over manipulative you know like I said he's the hooker with a heart of gold and I've also read ones where it's like Stallone's you know there's too many there's too many uh, actor quirks and 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 little bits that he does and there's no authenticity in his in his portrayal all that kind of stuff but. Mm. I what well, I can only speak on my own kind of feelings towards the film, but I I buy into it, so I just don't see that you know that uh, detachment yeah. that other people had. I guess film critics tend to get a bad rep 
especially when you look back on stuff and you see, you know, films that later go on to be somewhat universally beloved and you look back and it's, you can slight all these critics for not seeing it at the time. Like a bunch of people thought that the thing was just, um, just a sloppy, nasty thrill movie. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, the the one interesting thing and the, and the one great thing about um like professional film critics is that because they see so much stuff um their filters are, are way up mm-hmm. like their barriers are way up so if if it means every now and then that they um preemptively disregard a film that is probably worthy of of a little bit more study or a little bit more thought um you know it's not that they're it's not that they're wrong it's all opinion so Rocky goes over to Paulie's house for Thanksgiving dinner. Paulie hasn't told Adrian that Rocky's joining him, even though Rocky was like, hey, yo, Paulie, you told him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and this, is, this, is, this is a really important scene, right? It's, you know, it's we talked good, about um, it before. Uh, the, the way these, these conversations are just kind of like cyclical. They're just the same. They say the same thing to each other like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a well, it's a bit of a tick. You know, how you were saying like I'd I'd never actually heard that level that this film that accusation that Sylvester Stallone is is just kind of laden oh, he's with doing, too many yeah, he's doing ticks. ticks. But yeah. I guess um, this is something that's quite common to these very naturalistic seventies films is um, conversations that don't really go anywhere or that cycle back around on themselves or that people say the same mm-hmm. thing in different ways. That's uh, that's interesting. But it's but it's all layers to his character. You know, he's not a smart man. He he does it later on with Mickey, and Mickey just goes off the handle on him. Yeah. So it's just something that is inherent in this character. Yeah. I believe it. I, I like it. I think that's what again makes me, you know, feel empathy and sympathy for him. But others see it as just an actor doing doing actors' ticks. I, I would have uh, said I would have said I agree with that had he directed it as well. But because there's a competent director here that's getting the performance out of him and leading him through the scene as well. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't buy that at all. Paulie, this is where he's trying to do something good, yeah. but his methods are really quite dastardly and really mean and quite humiliating. And quite shocking as well. How are you doing? I told you she's very excited. When he chucks out that turkey, you're like, oh, wow, that is pretty mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, uh, that's the shocking moment. And, and you start to understand the what their relationship's like at home because, and, and that he's full of, he's bitter and twisted and full of resentment. But like you said, the, he, deep down he wants to do well for her, but just, he, he doesn't it's abuse, know how. Though, isn't it? I mean, it is. He's drunk and it is abuse. And 
there was another scene later we'll get to that it's quite difficult to watch really and i think it i think it portrays this quite well in filmic terms he's an unusual character because he doesn't necessarily have an arc as such It's, it's a bit of a strange one his one redeeming quality right at the end is he lifts up the rope for adrian but outside of that he kind of doesn't grow um but I kind of just think that, you know what, people are like that in life, you know, that just don't learn. Yeah. And I just kind of think that that's what he represents. He's just one of those people that will forever be who he is because it's ingrained in his, you know, in his being. Yeah. And he's beyond redemption in that respect. I, I do find it funny, though, how he ends up with a turkey leg in his hand. <laughs> 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 and every now and then he takes a little nibble. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's an actor doing good work, I think. It's... um. Making use of the props. Absolutely, absolutely. While Paulie is being abusive and he's having to go, it's just saying you need to get out. And of course, and then Adrian, who she's wearing her glasses, she's dressed down, she's not ready for this. But Rocky's very quiet at this point. He's very quiet. Well, doesn't want to get involved. Doesn't in want family. to get involved at all. Uh, no. But then we've all been there, man. We've all been there. <laughs> but, it's, but it's important. <laughs> it is important for later. And again, it says just about the whole environment and his character. But when, and then, yeah, he knocks on the door. It's like, I think we'll have a good time. You should come out. But he's embarrassed. And he, it's quite nice that, do you see how like he's running the back of his hand up and down the door while he's talking? Mm, Yeah. Again, it's a a nice, he's sensitive. Rocky is a sensitive little soul. (laughs) And it's true. And and we, you know, Adrian comes out the door, reveal, okay, she's going to go out. She's still in a, you know, in a heavy costume. No, but the difference, there is a big difference in the costume. When she comes out, she looks, it's, it's not better than how she's dressed up or makeup or anything like that. It's her body language. She's, mm. she's prepared herself. She's, she's got up, she, her back straight and she's like, oh, I'm going to do this. She's made a decision. You can mm-hmm. see it as soon as she opens that door. It's all in her performance. And it. You said it earlier, but she's she's fucking brilliant in this film, and it's mm. mainly mm-hmm. be, mainly behind the eyes for her. She doesn't have a lot of dialogue at the beginning, but she says so much with her face. And then we go to a really glorious date, and I really like this next scene. Oh, this is this is this is one of those magical scenes mm. that you get in films, and you just think, ah, oh, if only life could be like this. <laughs> um, Certainly, certainly, that's how I feel, uh, and I said it before, didn't I? That as a kid, that that's it. You know, I was drawn to the love story as well as just the, you know the the, you know, the whole film, but the love story especially. And uh, so, yeah, Rocky takes Adrian ice skating. He asked Paulie before they left, you know, what does she like doing? And he's like, ice skating. Hmm. So they go to this ice skating ring. It's Thanksgiving, so it's closed. And this is where, again, we like Rocky. He he does something for Adrian that other people might not have done. He says, Oh, come on. You know, he makes up a little story. Like she's not well, you could tell. I guess yeah. I love the way he's just like, come on, look at her. She's not well. Uh, and he just says, well, um, the place is closed. So $10 for 10 minutes. And Rocky does it. And do you want to know a nice little story about this? A little bit of trivia. So the original scene, uh, they were sat in a restaurant doing this which would have been awfully boring and very intolerable cruelty. Uh, not good at all. Uh, Avildsen was like, mm, no, that'll, that'll just kill this scene. We need to get them out doing something. 
So Stallone comes up with this scene where they go to an ice rink and there's like 300 extras, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, an instructor and all this kind of stuff. Expensive. Mm, yeah. They didn't have the money. So they didn't have the money. They only had one extra. So they wrote the scene to be just those two on the ice. That's great. These wonderful, wonderful accidents that happen in yeah. filmmaking. And this scene would no, would be nowhere near as strong if there were 300 extras just darting around. No, the, the intimacy is really important. And yeah, that, that would it is, isn't it? so different. That I didn't know that. Woo! You know how I got started in fighting? Huh? No. Am I talking too loud? Three no. minutes! My father, he's uh, my old man. He was never too smart. He says to me, you weren't born much of a brain, you know, so uh, you better start using your body, right? So I'd become a fighter. Oh. You know what I mean? Why you, why you left? My mother, she said the opposite thing. What'd she say? What'd she say the opposite? She said you weren't born much of a body, so you better develop your brain. Did she say that? You! Hi! Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Why do you want to fight? Because I can't sing or dance. Hey, yo. Don't fall! Don't fall! Hey, that was terrific. I'm pretty good at this. And it's a lovely little little moment like Rocky isn't skating, he's jogging. So yeah. he's again kind of making a fool of himself. And this is probably the most comedic scene. You know, there's a lot of funny good stuff happening the guy calling out like nine minutes <laughs> <laughs> he's just counted down but what is important is that rocky's talking shit he's just talking about southpaws and boxing and he's got his photos of his fights but what really is important is that adrian is starting starting slowly to open up yeah and it's the first time she asks a question about him and then we we get back to his. So Rocky invites Adrian to his flat. She hesitates. And it's, yeah. again, you mentioned it before, Patrick, her performance, it's all in the eyes, processing it like, should I, shouldn't I? She goes up and they go into his flat. She's immediately uncomfortable. She's defensive in her posture. It's in the framing as well, isn't it? When... He's see... in the frame and she's isolated in that frame. Yeah, the full frame with all the room kind of dwarfing her right next to that door. Well, Devlin, I'd be afraid as well. He's got a bloody machete yeah. for a coat <laughs> he hanger. Does. He does have a massive <laughs> knife. And he, and he immediately undresses into his vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. It's hard in here, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got 15 beer bottles turned upside down, stuffed down the back of his mattress. <laughs> <laughs> they it our again our flight at uni wasn't this bad. No. I mean Rocky is a bit of a he's a bit of a slob. But again, and, uh, talking and talking and he oh he's just talking and talking talking. And it, when he's like I'm, trying to get her on the sofa yeah. and he's got these shitty newspapers on the sofa pen. He's like, oh you just come and take a seat. Doesn't he sound like I'm? I'm does he say that I'm a good guy or something like that? Yeah, I'm, he's like look well, at his face. You can trust, trust his face. face. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's she says she says I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable. I don't think I belong here. It's okay. I don't belong here. Well, you know, it's okay because you're my guest. You know. I don't know you well enough. I've never been in a man's apartment alone. Well, I, they're all the same, you know. 
not sure I know you well enough. I don't feel comfortable. Your age, you know, I ain't so comfortable either. That shot where it's um, the camera's sort of situated behind her, about waist and height. low angle as well. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. he comes looming over and then he reaches right up and you see him kind of towering over her. Um, if you showed this scene out of context, it would basically be a public service announcement film. Yeah, <laughs> you, it would. I mean, joking aside, Devin, you're absolutely right. But you've got to, um, because I watched this, um, I, 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 I've been watching it with a few people over the last few weeks, but watching it with, um, with a female who turned to me at the end of the scene and said, do you think Rocky's a bit pushy in this whole sequence? And I've been thinking about this and this particular scene quite a lot because it had dawned on me as well. And then having it as a focal point to, to really think about, because the question we posed to me that I wanted to pose to you, but I'm going to say what I think first before I ask you your opinion is yes, I do think he's a little pushy, but I think also there's been enough setup, and I think there's an understanding between the two characters that Rocky knows that she's shy, but is interested in him, or he he kind of wants to and, and does think that mm -hmm. she she did accept the invitation to go in, but I think that she's intimidated. She's completely out of her comfort zone here because of her background and home life or whatever. But I just feel like the main thing is here rather than being pushy to the point of a problem or problematic. I think Rocky's just helping her come out of her shell. Yeah. Because I think it's almost justified by the next scene that she's completely changed. She's got a yeah. she's off and she's more comfortable in her skin. And again, the performance of it, she's the body language has changed. It's almost a different person. And I wanted to see if you agree with me or, don't agree with me with that because it is it's kind of borderline like you said he's looming over and out of context it is out of context like you said Devlin it could be construed as a bit too forceful as a bit you know mm -hmm. let her leave the room and it's it's the arms bit it's the yeah. bit where he essentially he blocks the well, door if you for would, exit, if you, yeah if is... you use the word blocked or ensnared yeah, yeah. or all those all that kind of language then of course it's got it's got implied meaning I think context is key, but I also think that if you were to shoot this scene again in you know now, yeah, you would probably block it differently. In intention is maybe they want to show him uh, as like a physical specimen, like he's a dude in really good shape, and it would to them, to their eyes, it would make sense for him to do that because it would be like a an incentive. I think he's trying to show off a little bit, yeah, as well. and you know that it yeah. might be. Uh, an incentive for you know for the female but the way it plays i don't know how it played then i don't know how it plays now i guess it's everyone's gonna have a, a different reaction to it. it's interesting when you when you compare that with um the scene uh where adonis creed and uh, tessa thompson's character get together in creed is very 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 different mm -hmm. and that's and that's that's the difference that um, that forty years will get you. You know, we don't. I, I didn't realize how little Burgess Meredith there was in this film, which is <laughs> testament to the actor because yeah. he basically steals every scene he's in. Hey, you got something for me? Yeah. Hey, 
Adams, some guy here from Miles Jurgens looking for you. They need sparring partners for a follow Creed. Put me on. There's a guy. Who was it here? About an hour ago. They're probably looking for sparring partners for Creed, you know? I said that before, you dumb dago. You know, I've been coming here for six years. In six years, you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to know how. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker to some cheap second-rate loan shark. To living? It's a waste of life. And the next two scenes with these two characters, you get all the backstory you need. Rocky stood right in the middle of all these prospects. It's cutting, right? It hurts. But it's the truth. Yeah. And he walks away sullen and he knows that Mickey's telling the truth. And that's the reason why he was like, I kicked you. That's why. That's the reason why you're on skid row. Yeah. It's a tough scene. But Burgess Meredith is so good. He's so, so good in this. And now the, the film kind of just picks up steam to oh, such yeah. a massive extent that the 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 shift in kind of narrative momentum is is great. It's not that well, it goes like insane from this point, but it's just it's a it's a gradual ramp now yeah. from this sort of this second era is uh yeah, picks up some steam. So then next he goes and speaks to the promoter. He yeah. does. Right. There's a nice little touch and again it reminds me of something I did the first time I got a job that I was very, very proud of. When Rocky's been given the card from the promoter, oh, goes yes, in, and just the way he says to the lady when she's like, oh, um, he's ready for you now. He's like, you don't mind if I just get that card back, do you? Yeah. I remember the first time I was contracted to work at ITV, and it was just like a week <laughs> contract. And uh, I got a card, and I was like, can I keep the card? <laughs> yeah. Gally, I've still got our Pinewood passes from when we went down. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I've still got them. I've still got my I've Pinewood still got mine. Studios pass. I've still got my first rejection letter from Warner Brothers as well. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a lovely little touch. And so Rocky gets offered the offered the chance to fight Creed. In the original script, he says yes. Abelson goes, no, I don't think he would have said yes. I think he would have said, nah. And it's absolutely yeah. perfect for the character. It, it, the way he delivers it as well is, is well, I'll is pa- good, I'll it? pose a question to you. We're all film fanatics. We love discussing films. You know, We've made films in the past. We've worked on them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If somebody came to you and said, here's $100 million, go and make the next Marvel film, would you accept it? <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> and I'll tell you something. I, I haven't accepted jobs above my what I believe I can do as well. I, I uh, Take a chance, Patrick. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I was going to take a chance, but I was, I was offered to second AD Peaky Blinders a few years oh, ago. Okay. And I just, I'd heard stories about how hard Tom Hardy is to work with. And I just knew I wasn't ready for it. And I knew that it was too big of a jump for me from where I was at three years ago or whenever it was. There is a difference between sympathy and empathy. And this is all empathy because I can identify with Rocky. You know, he's about to be given, the promoter says it, chance of a lifetime. Mm. And he's like, he doesn't want to, you know, he, he knows his level. And he's like, I'm nowhere near 
Apollo Creed's level. He's like, no, no. Because initially he's so wonderfully saying, you know, I'll be a great sparring partner. I won't take any cheap shots. No, no cheap shot. No cheap shots. And one of the things that Avildsen said is the reason why the no works as well is because it it means that then the promoter and Creed, even though that they're not technically antagonists, but we see them manipulate Rocky. You know, he says, Apollo's seen your fights. Apollo Mm, hasn't seen his fights. He likes you. Yeah, he's a show pony. He's there just for the show. He's there because this bicentennial fight is important to Apollo. He's not. No one has given him any chance to win. He's just there to show up. And and wonderful choice because he said yes. Most of the central theme of this film collapses at that point. And the fact yeah. that he says no, oh, it just makes me makes me love Rocky even more. And like <laughs> from a from a structure perspective. Like you've 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 now had his like his initial status quo. You've had it, you know the the he's a down on his luck bum. He's a tomato. Tomato, he's no good. Um, this is the this is the refusing the call. This is oh, you kind of need it, right? Campbell. You need, but you need it. You need it in the story because you can't just have a you can't just have a a, a protagonist who's just gonna uh, waltz their way through the story and you know. It, we've seen vulnerability, but um, this is like this is the 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 quest, the thing he's going to be sent on to do, mm-hmm. the thing he has to surmount, and you know it's uh it, it's cool, but I I didn't see this coming again. It'd been so long since I'd seen this. I don't remember most of this stuff. And no, because I think again, we you know I mentioned it before. Most people think of Rocky films as like, yeah, he's just a guy who's like, I'll do it. I'll go out there. Yeah, I'll fight the undefeated. Gonna run it, run up the fucking steps and do the thing. And it's like, ah, <laughs> he's, he's he's saying, I'm a club fighter. He's the yeah. best in the yeah. world. Like you said, he's a fan. He's in awe of him. So now uh, Rocky is watching the press conference with Adrian and Paulie. And this is where he's kind of being made a fool of, right? So then we see Gazzo give Rocky some money. Such a good loan, loan shark, isn't he? Uh, gives him some or money a terrible loan shark, him. just giving away money. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. It depends it how you want to see it, doesn't it? Uh, and then we get probably the saddest and most heartfelt scene in the whole film. Uh, Mickey slowly meandering up the stairs. It's because he's never been there, so he doesn't even know which doors Rocky's. Yeah, and he's going to go to the apartment and try and get Rocky to accept Mickey to become his manager. Anyway, look, I'm here to warn you that you got to be very careful about this shot that you got at the title, because I don't like the Bible it says you ain't going to get a second chance. Yeah, all right. Well, what you need. Is a manager. A manager. Listen to me. I know because I've been in this racket for fifty years. Oh, this is this is a tough scene. This this scene's incredible. It's so well written, so well acted, so yeah. well blocked. I'm gonna draw attention to the fact that you just watched Stallone try and avoid Burgess Meredith throughout this whole scene. Yeah. But it's but it doesn't start that way. And the, the no, no. I, initially, ne- I never got that. Yeah, no. Initially, he's sort of like, yeah, take a seat, and then yeah. he then he makes a joke about his turtles. That's and all it. Of a sudden, and that's the trigger. In the end, Mickey starts talking about himself as opposed to what yeah. he could offer Rocky, and that's what Rocky's completely resenting. Mm-hmm. And 
And this is because Mickey, he doesn't really know how to connect to him. I have done it all. You should have seen me when I knocked a guinea Russell out of the ring, out of the goddamn ring. That's uh, September the 14th, 1923. And it was the same night that Furpo knocks Dempsey out of the ring. The same night. So who gets the publicity? Figure that out. Dempsey. That's right, but why? Because he was champ. No! Because he had a manager. I had nothing. The best bit is when he shirt says, look, look at this above my eye, 21 stitches. And, and Rocky completely ignores him, just walks off out the way. It's And the tension between the two of them. Rocky then goes to the toilet after throwing the darts. And that's the, the, the only moment of real truth is then we realize that Mickey also wants to take his last chance. When he says, yeah. I need your help about 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, you never helped me, though. You didn't care. Well, if you wanted help, I say, if you wanted help, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me, kid? Look, I asked, but you never heard nothing. Well, I, I, uh, I don't know, I'm 76 years old. I'm 76 years old, but he can't get it out, and he just leaves. Yeah. Literally, yeah, forgets his hat. It's such a, it's such a painful, but so wonderfully wonderfully acted scene before that rocky then just unleashes oh it's, god it's gut-wrenching about your prime what about my prime mick at least you have prime i ain't had no prime i ain't had nothing legs are going everything is going no one's getting them nothing guy comes up offers me a fight big deal want to fight the fight yeah i'll fight the big fight i wouldn't want to fight that big fight what's gonna happen to me i'm gonna get that i'm gonna get that and you want me to reach out and see it? Do you? You want to help me out? Help me out? Want to see me get my face kicked in? Legs ain't working. Nothing's working. They go, go on, fight the chair. Yeah, I'll fight him. When he lets rip, it's amazing. It's amazing yeah. because it's so loaded. The dialogue, it's, it's against him. It's against the opportunity. It's against himself. And you can see the, real, the dawning realisation, you know, whether it's the, it, it's kind of, an archetype of men not being able to say what men need to say mm-hmm. because they're too pr- proud. But when we get outside and that wide shot and they, I'll call it a reconciliation. Oh, it is. Absolutely. It's, it's such a, I love the framing, the lighting. The we mood, don't need to hear the, what they said. We don't yeah, need to hear great. that. The gesture of the handshake and the hug is, it's perfect. And that for me is my, it's my favorite scene in the whole film. The, my favorite little moment of that is you see them reconcile and then a train comes by and you're just like, oh, perfect, perfect timing. It's yeah. just perfect, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it is. Yeah. It's perfect yeah. filmmaking. Oh, um, it kind of reminds me a little bit just in terms of when it gets dropped into the story and how long it is. That scene is like 10 minutes long and it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of um, uh, Robert Shaw in Jaws. Yeah, like giving an old pro just mm-hmm. a chance to just do his thing. Yeah, just watching absolutely. a watching like a consummate old charismatic professional actor just just have a chance to really just indulge something, and it's great. So Rocky then goes to the meat house to visit Paulie, and uh, and this is where you know Paulie's been drinking. And he's starting to ask questions about his relationship with Adrian. Mm. And this is where his turn mm-hmm. comes as far as those two being together. So he starts saying, you know, are you balling her? 
uh, and Rocky, he doesn't like it when people disrespect Adrian. Don't talk like that about his sister or something like no, that. No, absolutely not. Paulie, you know, he says, I'm going to leave. This is why I don't set you up with Gazzo. Paulie starts striking the meat. And this is almost like a, a sort of passive aggressive move by Rocky. You know, he, instead, of, instead of grabbing Paulie and threatening him with violence, he demonstrates that if I wanted to, I could kick the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. just pummels that bit of meat. And we get some lovely Chekhov gun stuff you're, with... You're breaking the ribs. Breaking the ribs. Like a little iconic thing, the punching of the meat, which... Yeah. Could you have known you were devising something quite iconic in that at the time? I don't know. But Again, it fits for these characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say other than, you know, lightning in a bottle kind of stuff where... Mm-hmm. I don't know where he came, where he came up with it, but... God damn it, it works. Yeah, very much so. Rocky's hands being tended to by Adrian. And one of the nice <laughs> things about this little scene is this, is this is where in this film, unlike, say, the other films in the series, Adrian's still got agency. She's yeah. still a part of the film. So even though Rocky's our protagonist and he's technically got the girl an hour into the film, no, they're a partnership. They're a team. Mm-hmm. So... She's trying to sort of tend to him with his with his hands, and then he pushes her away and says, "Listen, no fooling around." I got the impression that that was because Paulie kind of got to him. Yeah, you no, know, he did. Yeah. He did get to him when he's yeah. you know after the whole "you're balling my sister" thing. Mm-hmm. He, uh, and aren't they in his house as well? Yeah, at yeah, this they're point. in his yeah. house. You know, he says, "Go cook the meat," which is. An echo of when yeah. she cooked the turkey for Paulie earlier in the film. Yeah. With know, the, the, the way she despondently walks off is, uh, the way I read into it is like she's worried that Rocky's behaving like Paulie. So then yeah. the next bit's very important when he again reconciles with her. Yeah, he knows. Then Rocky's training at the gym with Mickey. We get. Uh, <laughs> We get one of his many, many great lines. <laughs> uh, a couple of girls come up for his autograph, and he just says, it's, 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 it is true. As a man, I'm going to say it. Women weaken legs. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like the, uh, the line, move your little chicken asses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, more men. <laughs> so, so good. The next scene, again, she's still got agency, Adrian. She's got a gift for Rocky. Mm. But kiss! <laughs> yeah, so, he, so the dog can go running with him. And, uh, and you're right, Adrian's dressing yeah. a little bit more yeah. snazzy. Yeah, it's, it's completely different. Yeah, it's complete, complete change. And she wears it so well. Um, she's good. Really, um, really minimal setup as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know this has been throughout. It's it's three shots: a wide shot yeah. and a close each, and that's it. Yeah, and we've had that like throughout the whole film. They've been doing this coverage. Yeah, so kind of efficiently and economically. No, but it's also a bit of a staple of the seventies. You get you get these zoom lenses and you get these long lenses. Like when I was watching it, there was a few shots reminding me of the conversation. You know, the, oh yeah, 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 and the these shots, like you said, Devlin, economic. If you can tell a scene and it looks great, and you, you you've you've told the story in in 
in this artistic manner, then it's great. And yeah. it really works for this, for Rocky. The Steadicam, yeah. those single takes on them, they add to that, add to the cinematography and the storytelling as well, because it, it's all that's needed, really. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's shot really well. The news want to film Rocky doing his unorthodox training method of smacking the meat, because <laughs> Paulie's, Paulie's mentioned it to them. He's trying to take advantage. What about me? And we what intercut... about you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we intercut with Rocky hitting meat really hard. And again, it's Apollo's trainer. He's second, second seated down. And, He's like, and how is he sat down with his shirt? I don't know why Unbuttoned. Office, I don't know. Gold chain. Clearly, they've got a comfortable working relationship. Oh. Notice there's a uh, conspicuous deployment of a British guy in that room as well just to push that envelope a little bit further that Apollo is occupying this kind of rarefied realm of the fancy lad. I missed that. Who, who was that? No, I missed that too. Don't oh, uh, when they're talking about, you know, um, Apollo's saying, uh, send the roses to the governor's wife. And he's, you know, he's doing all of this political bit. There's uh, an old British man. Oh, right. Sitting oh, with right. Like, okay. Perhaps we should consider moving our advertising revenue. Oh, and God, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it, when you're talking about like, uh, you know, shorthand that you couldn't get much further away from, uh, a guy with a kind of slurring Philly accent, punching the share of some meat with his hands covered <laughs> in blood. And in the other hand, you've got a guy in like a super sharp three piece suit talking to a Brit. And of course we're all really posh in that, aren't we? We are. We love scones. Scones. <laughs> Sorry, it depends it's, where you are in the world. Scones. Yeah, definitely it's, scones. Uh, yeah, you just you, you need to you know you need to really push those 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 differences. Paulie overhears Rocky in the next scene, uh, and Adrian talking about him. And this is when he gets his baseball bat out. Yeah, this is an uncomfortable scene. Yeah. And we can see, you know, we never mentioned it before in the other scenes in Paulie's house, but he was clearly. In the military, I'm going to guess he was in the Navy, uh, which would explain why, even though he's just working this like meatpacking job, he can afford this house and he can afford to, mm-hmm. you know, he, he can afford these things. Um, also, might explain his drinking. And I've his got a family photos around as well. Which yeah, well, and what, I think. what I found interesting is when he when he smashes up the cabinet, it's mm-hmm. it's the silver, isn't it? It's the yeah. family silver that he smashes yeah. up, and it's yeah, it's all very symbolic. I would say, even though I think Burt Young's really, really good in this, this is probably the one scene where he's a little bit, not, not that he's overdoing it, but what it did, does do is it makes you feel all the more kind of joyful and happy that Adrian gets her moment. You owe me! Where are you? You're supposed to be good to me! Where are you, Bobby? Where are And he didn't realize it, but uh, he's now got a roommate. Yeah, Adrian's last, that last line, like you were saying, Patrick, about how the the great stuff that she does is just, it's um, it's little transitions, it's little, she does a lot with very little. And the way mm. she's, she's stormed out of this huge, dramatic hurricane of a, of a fight. But at that point, when he finds her in the bedroom, instead of, 
walking in and seeing her completely distraught, face down on a bed, sobbing and heaving. She's just sitting very calmly in the corner. Yeah. And she just says, do you want a roommate? And then Mickey is training Rocky and he gets another great line, doesn't he? You're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. <laughs> and this is where they're starting to believe, right? It's like, we got a winner here. We got a chance. Yeah. And really the most important bit in this scene is that Paulie and Rocky are going to another reconciliation. It's a, it's a very male apology, isn't it? They just yeah. sort of go, yeah, okay, we're okay now. Just help and that's me. That's yeah, says. His gloves, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. And Paulie just says, uh, you know, can I... Uh, can I make money off you? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> just says that. Doesn't he? <laughs> yes. And Rocky says, yeah. I, I figure somebody's going to make some money off your name. Right. Here's the, here's the scene, though. For most people, when they're watching a Rocky film, they kind of want to see a training montage, don't they? Oh, yeah. I've got no. I've got. Uh oh. Oh my god. <laughs> I've got. We I've got be, no problem we'll with it. Disconnected, Dublin. We will kick but you off the program. It's the first point in the film that we veer away from what has up until now been very uh, a very naturalistic, very low key, very um, you know ground grounded uh, uh, drama film with with you know carrots and stuff and the. It is, I mean, it, it is reveling in artifice a bit. It's it's not anywhere near the, the level of the montages that come later in the series. It is still, you know, it, it's just him. It's mainly just him running. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's a, there's just a couple of little moments. I, I don't hate them. Uh, I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, basically the atmosphere we've built up until now. I'm not sure whether it's a couple of little cuts. One rocky giving like the little um the little okay <laughs> after doing the push-ups and and the freeze frame <laughs> basically yeah and also the fact that the the song the lyrics could not be much more on the nose because uh, yeah. it's it's so hard now but getting strong now but gonna fly now <laughs> like it's efficient <laughs> But it's maybe a little bit. <laughs> but it's showtime now. It's showtime it's show yeah. now. And this is where we're ramping up to the final third. And it, it, this is how it is a change of pace because we're, we're getting to the business end of, of his journey for this film because I think other things have been resolved. Like you said, he's reconciled with Paulie. He's, he's with Adrian. He's training. And it's it, it's now. It's it's different. The thumbs up. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like Gally said, he's getting confident. And when he's running and he starts running faster and he gets up the stairs, he can do it without being out of breath. He is changing physically and he, mentally preparing for this fight. So before this film. But this is a was there a sports montage like this, or was this the first one? Oh no, that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, so, I, I believe they are—they yeah, are inventing the form as they go. Exactly. So and how influential is, is this montage? Yeah. We've now seen it so many times. You can't do a boxing film without referring to Rocky, without having yeah. a montage. I don't think you can do a sports film without having a montage. Even Rocky sort. had a montage. So, 
Yeah, exactly. Without yeah, taking it from Trey Parker uh, and Matt Stone, show a lot of things happening at once. Remind everyone of what's going on. That is exactly what, and it's doing. groundbreaking. And, so and it's, I, it's just it. It would be jarring because I don't think yeah. you've ever seen anything like it at this point. Well, it's it's probably that you know it's it's cliche in retrospect. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, yeah, I just I, um, like I say, don't hate it. Do find it massively entertaining, <laughs> but do believe that it sort of bumps this film off to a strange little tangent. Okay. Which it then kind of comes back from. No, no, it does. It pulls it right back in. I think you're right in that respect. And and maybe a parallel can be drawn with Jaws, where the ending of Jaws is so ridiculous, but the whole of the film (laughs) is so grounded in this character. But in Jaws, there isn't another 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So once Shark Head blows up spoilers uh then you know we just have hooper and brody paddling so to short, say spoilers it. before you say the spoiler <laughs> rocky gets up in the middle of the night he goes to the arena and this is this is the intimidation isn't it this is the realization yeah. of what you're about to face and rocky is looking at it and staring at it right in the face he's in the arena he's looking at the empty seats he's looking at the posters do you reckon there's any kind of like visual reference going on? I, maybe I was reaching for this, but I thought when you see a giant kind of poster of him hanging over the ring, I couldn't help but think back to that first shot of a giant Jesus poster hanging over a ring. Uh, don't know why. No. I'm sure it's probably. I, I don't think they're trying to draw any parallels. I don't know whether they whether it's just a, a complete coincidence or whether it's a purely of a visual um no you know what i looked at that i actually paralleled it with him looking at the picture of himself as a kid that's how i that's that's the parallel i drew you know i looked at it as when he looked at himself as being a child this someone who had all these aspirations all these dreams and all this potential and then he's looking at a poster of what not even what he thinks he should be but he's looking at a representation that he knows isn't actually true He's looking at this big yeah. poster. In well, that's why he, he points out that the shorts yeah. are wrong, right? Well, like, you know, I mentioned it before recog- about the... He doesn't recognize himself up yeah. there. Well, you know, well, this is where, again, lovely bit of low-budget filmmaking. Uh, the the poster being wrong, purely by accident, cost you... Brilliant. <laughs> art department <laughs> Brilliant. got it wrong and uh, painted the shorts incorrectly. So Avildsen went, well, <laughs> we'll just use it. And we'll just use it and say, and that's how when the promoter comes in and says, you know, I didn't didn't expect you to be here. And he's like, oh, uh, you got the shorts wrong. And he's like, doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> yes. Again, he's just a show pony. Uh, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, use, use, a, use a crew's mistakes and turn it into a perfectly poignant moment for the character. Wonderful stuff. Rocky comes back, and this is where we get a pretty... This is like the central theme of the film, right? Adrian's yeah. in bed with him. Uh, by the way, did you notice? Uh, it's, it's a subtle thing, I guess. It's one of those things that you, when you're a nerd like me, you and every you know everyone on this podcast, <laughs> notice the uh, art, the art design. It's all clean yeah, in his house, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she's it's, she's dressed yeah. her little corner. She of, has of dressed her little corner. She's put up the little. She's put up dog posters and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a little it's a nice little little touch, but uh, it's there yeah. for the people that have watched it twice in a week. And this is where Rocky says, "I can't beat him." Yeah, he knows he can't beat him, but that's not what he wants to do. It's not about winning. He's just like, 
I just want to go the distance. Because he just wants to prove that he's just not some bum, not some nobody. Oh, it speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> is that the sin that gets you? And one of the, yeah, yeah, it really is. And and the other bit that gets me is is her response. She just says, oh, well, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Great line. Yeah, that's great. It's a great line. It's it's not, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so telling. It's not like um, she's not trying to fix it. But it's it's the the key word like the what are mm-hmm. we gonna do about yeah. it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's lovely. Then we're into the build up of the fight. You get all the you know you get all the the sweat and the the muscles. You get these close ups. I love that. I love that stuff. That kind of that backstage sort of the. It's why I really loved. Um, I mean, you both know that I am not even regrettably an adult who enjoys professional <laughs> wrestling you do and i really like um i like the idea of the 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 backstage stuff that, that goes into it yeah um i guess it's it's also like why i found a, a lot of black swan fascinating oh, outside I was of all just of this sort of thinking uh, the mickey Rourke from when you said that so it's oh, oh, yeah, the wrestler exactly yeah that was it so i mean exactly. they're both really right? weird, so clearly he has the same the mm-hmm. same obsession which is, you know, the the physical preparation and the and the work that goes into creating something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all build up, right? And then yeah. uh, another mistake <laughs> that's in the film that they used the robe that they ordered for Sylvester Stallone uh, was too big, so they just <laughs> called it out and said, uh, "Well, just make mention of it." Hey, what the hell is that? I trained you to be a fighter, not a billboard. I'm doing it for a friend. What, what do you get out of it? Paul, gets three grand, I get the rope. Shrewd. The story about tonight's fight, their style, their difference in style, you can quote a recent sports magazine which said, could be the caveman against the cavalier. I notice a buzzing in the background now, Bill. Could be the challengers getting ready to get into the ring. Okay! Hey, Look at my date! Toss me two hundred dollars! Oh, I, I gotta go, I gotta work. How's the rope? A 50-to-1 underdog living a Cinderella story, and he's captured people's imaginations all over the world. And Paulie comes over to brag about his. Yeah, has he got like a prostitute? Evening? Evening? <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Do you like my day? She cost me two hundred dollars, and she chips in. It's two fifty. <laughs> and then Apollo comes in, and I mean, it's not my favorite Apollo Creed entrance. Uh, it's definitely reserved for James Brown and Rocky <laughs> Ford. <laughs> but, but his entrance again goes back to his presence as Carl Weathers, because he he's yes, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. Oh, he's loving he's, it, yeah. and he's hammering it up. He's, well, he's big and bold. He, and... he thinks that Rocky's gonna. He's he thinks Rocky's gonna get beaten three rounds. He thinks he's he, so he wants to make it a show mm-hmm. for the audience. So he's like, you know, I want you, I want you. He's giving it all that stuff. And one of the things I do love again, and it's like the third time we see it, Rocky's like, oh, he looks great. <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a fan. <laughs> he's just a big fan. So yeah, again, it just makes him all the more endearing. And then we get into the ding, ding. round one. <laughs> ding, ding. As I've said, I like my violence um, staged, <laughs> fictitious, <laughs> and fun. I don't know, Patrick. Do you watch? Do you watch? Well, we, do you watch much? Uh, when I'm at like home, me and my dad boxing? pay for boxing. Uh, we we like the big fights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So you guys would would know far more than I would about. Um, I mean, I've seen boxing. I'm not a child. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I don't watch a lot of it. How, how how does this hold up? Are you are you asking? Yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's a a, a fairly high degree of unrealistic. There's, uh, there's always but... been a weird when you watch Sylvester Stallone and his fighting style versus like boxers. He his arms are low, and I think one of the things you learn from other boxing films is about the guard and the defense. And um, but it, but it's kind of again it's written into Rocky's character that he his defense is shocking you know he doesn't protect his chin or anything like that and it's quite wild and erratic. There's mm. the inevitable um, cinematic th- um, punches thrown that you see never land on someone. And I, I remember I do remember watching Rocky. Uh, let's say like the second time about five years after I first seen it and thinking that the way Rocky's head uh, that's like snaps his head back when he gets punched is, is a bit too theatrical, especially Clubber Lang. When Clubber Lang gets punched, it's ridiculous. It's, it's comical. No, oh, yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh... but I mean, like there's a lot, there's a lot that really works, Dev, to be honest, um, f- from that perspective. Okay. I w- Devlin, if I were you, and if I were a listener who'd never seen Rocky, I would just look at the fight choreography like I would any fight choreography in a film. Yeah, totally. It should I mean, be. It should I'm, be in I'm, I'm fine being absorbed. Yeah, yeah if I'm you're, fine being if absorbed. If you're after a technical boxing fight, Rocky is not going to be for you because <laughs> that's not how real boxing fights go. Certainly not the ones that, yeah. are, that where you're at an elite level uh, because one punch is going to take you down. Um, but what is it really saying about the characters? What is it revealing about mm-hmm. them? And it should be telling a story. And, and the choreography in this film... Yeah. You know, there are a few shots. It tends to be in the long shots where you can really see how slow they're, you know, you can see how it's more of a dance, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, they yeah. get the punches coming. But in the, in the sort of the mids and the close-ups, I think it really works. Yes, so I, I agree. Cam, because you've got the steady cam with the ropes, so you're sort of following it as if you were an audience member, as if you were sat like front row. It kind of obscures or masks some of the um, inadequacies mm-hmm. in the choreography. But right. I would just look at it like you would look a Kung Fu movie or any kind of fighting film. Well, as I was saying, like, as, as a wrestling fan, when you've got a preordained fight, like they're telling a story in the ring and they're telling that story purely through like mm-hmm. fake violence. Exactly, yeah. So if anything, this is, this is the perfect avatar for it, which is you've got the you know the one the one guy getting beat down for a really long time and then the miraculous <laughs> comeback and it's you know it's the peaks and troughs and Absolutely. that doesn't happen in in actual boxing actual boxing is cautious mostly yeah. Yeah. KG, it's a chess yeah. match. technical yeah so but it does work quite well Dublin, when they're tired in these films when they're tired um okay. i think you get a better representation there because you, you do see especially heavyweights at the boxers, their legs get tired and they move slower and you, you, you see it. So there, mm. there's that to mm. consider as well. But in this first round, you know, Apollo at first, he's playing with Rocky. Doesn't he uh, come straight out of the then, blocks and just bang, bang, bang? <laughs> yeah, yeah, bangs him. And Apollo's just basically like trying to make it a show. And then all of a sudden gets caught with a sucker, doesn't he? Uppercuts him. Takes and that's the South Pole argument down. that his trainer thought because it's a left-hand hit. And yeah, exactly. And first time he's ever been knocked down. And then what does Apollo do? He gets straight back up and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> it's one of the things I didn't mention earlier on uh, when we were talking about it, but Rocky kept talking about the fact that he's never had his nose broken. What happens in the first Broom. round? Breaks his nose. Yeah. 
diagnosis, bro. How's it look? That's an improvement. I want you to quit sucking and diving. I want you to stick and move. Go for the ribs. Don't let that bastard breathe. The guy's crazy. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Finish this bum and let's go home. And again, that's one of the things that is really surprising about this first film. Not a lot of boxing. Uh, and one of the no. things that happens progressively in the Rocky series is the fights get longer, the training montages get more frequent, and we get less character. So, we, yeah, we lose the uh, we lose the character. I think the well, the the fight. I think I timed it out. It's not long. Is it like nine minutes? Uh, it's yeah. The as in from from the yeah from the first bell to the uh, to the to the end of the film wow. is nine minutes. That's crazy. So should we just get straight to well round fourteen? Uh, Adrian has been she couldn't watch Rocky initially, but I think after fourteen rounds she was probably thinking it should have been done by now. Uh, so she comes out <laughs> to the arena and <laughs> she sees Rocky gets knocked down, and again this is where Mickey. And his experience and his knowledge comes off. He's saying, stay down, stay down. Refs distracted by Apollo. And then I love, I love a good reaction shot, but Carl Weathers gives a great oh, reaction shot when Rocky gets up. That's amazing. My mum said exactly the same thing. She's like, she said that's her favourite bit in the film. Because he can't believe he it. Can't, absolutely can't mm. believe it. No, he's, he's so... And, and I think the respect is finally there for Rocky, and it, it's a great moment. Yeah, I like it. It is. And then Rocky gets up and hits Doesn't him in the ribs. Doesn't he invite him in as well? It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah he invites him in, and he hits him in the ribs. And it's the same shot twice, but it's just from different angles. He lifts so him off the canvas, see. and it's, you really feel the punch yeah. there, actually. That, Dev, that's like, that looks like he well, fucking hits him there. Well, because yeah. what's going through is the music. You know, you're hearing Bill Conti's music as he's doing the punching. I think you're getting the bell tolls. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. The score's like um, far less triumphalist. Yeah, only more triumphant. Yeah, only when then, he gets then knocked I, down does it go into the into the strings, doesn't it? Yeah, all that it's like the tolls. Because we haven't really outside of like the the getting stronger montage. All the music is really maudlin. Mm, yeah. It's 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 that it's that simple theme, you know. The his it's only when we get to the literally the very very end of the film that it becomes the big uplifting score that everyone knows. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Round fifteen, before Rocky goes out for the final round, he asks Mickey to cut his eye because his eye's like fully bruised over. Ugh. Pretty disgusting. Good effects work for a yeah, well, a film which is. I think that's where all the money went, Devlin. Uh, oh, okay, is on the makeup. Because that's hard to do. Like that's really hard to pull off. Like a realistic, you know, yeah. facial yeah. swelling like that. But it's it's in the it's in the cut man's hands, right? He's the way he holds it over the eye. You can just see he's squeezing whatever he's holding over. Mm. But, but it's simple, but it's so effective. Quote me, Mick. My dad loves that uh, sentence. <laughs> he says that a lot. <laughs> Whenever he's injured, like he twists his ankle or something, go. Cut me, Mick. Cut me. <laughs> uh, you know, Apollo's got internal bleeding, and uh, Duke warns him that he wants to stop the fight. Neither of them want to stop the fight. And again, this is all very metaphorical. You know, they're going to go to the death. 
for this. This is triumphant stuff. You know, like I said, it's gladiators at war fighting. Oh, the champion really tagged him. And Apollo clearly protecting his right side, his ribs. Ten more seconds into the round, Rocky wins the mm. fight, but the bell goes. Apollo saved. Oh, it's triumphant stuff, isn't it? Because what happens when all these people start crowding in? You know, they can't believe this achievement that Rocky's had. And the one thing in most sports films that you would want to know is, well, did he win the fight or did he not win the fight? It's in the background. Um, when I when I watched this uh, first time out, now, Gally, you've spoken about how you are a, a sucker. Oh, I was crying, Dan. And that, no, I was crying. And that films will get you, Patrick. How how I are you? I didn't cry, on this? Uh, but I mean, it's, okay. I, I'm pretty certain I was grinning from ear to ear because it's just, I I, I think it's masterful. I think it's really the music and everything is just a crescendo of an accomplishment here in the storytelling, and it's. But and it and it's amazing that he doesn't win, but we've still got the result we wanted somehow. Did you cry, Devlin? I'm 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 also not a big uh, not a big film crier. It doesn't happen very <gasps> often. But it just so happened I watched this one. I watched it like um terribly hungover. Yes! <laughs> First time out I was really hungover, and you know how that raises your emotional stakes. Oh, and and by the time like I'd sat and and because, like I said, it'd been so long since I watched this film, and I was so wrapped up in it that, um, I would say thirty uh, um, percent eye moistening. <laughs> holding back which is, the tears. <laughs> I was holding. Back, I was holding back the tears. Um, you know, I mean, I was in the house of it's Just it, it, that that was that was what I got out of me, and and that's that's pretty high praise yeah. i've cried at um transformers the movie the animated one yeah thank thank you for when i was because uh because optimus prime died synecdoche uh, new york weirdly i was just massively in floods of tears wow. during that uh and and this wow <laughs> it broke great. your cold heart fantastic but what what result yeah well it's yeah. a result for everyone and and there's, there's so much going on. You know, the fact that Adrian is coming to Rocky, you know, that's her choice. It does a really good job of 
that end does it for like a real time thing as well because it's i imagine in that situation if you were the boxer everything would be happening so fast and that's kind of what the music's doing everything's mm. happening so fast as a whirlwind the fight's just finished what's the result he doesn't care and you know it, it's it's a really good ending. people yeah there's like the the interviewers it's like when's the rematch say like, no rematch yeah yeah and and the other significant yeah part of this final shot is that we get to see them declare their love for each other which we've not seen mm. yet so even yeah. though it was probably implied that they've had sex they've certainly not said to each other that they love each other and it's just a wonderful moment you know he's like uh, hey where's your hat and he's like i love you i love you <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it gets me every time how they earned it that's the oh, thing they, they put in the and, uh, and and abelson you know, he goes on as a director and says, I'll make Rocky again, but I'll call it Karate Kid. <laughs> so he, re- he repackages this whole sports drama yeah. uh, again in the 80s. I'm going to ask you, Gally. Maybe it's a redundant question after <laughs> the last however long we've been speaking. But, Gally, did you waste your youth on watching Rocky? And... Do you believe people should, A, watch it, although, to be honest, if they're listening to this, they probably have. So more likely, B, should they go and rewatch it right now? <laughs> okay, well, yeah, this is this is probably the least surprising uh, summary ever. Uh, no, I didn't, wa- didn't waste my youth. I uh, didn't waste my youth at all. Uh, a shocker. Yeah, shocker indeed. I know, right? So I, I, I right, I'm going to go into a bit of a diatribe, but I would like to think that the minimum you can ask from any film <clears throat> is that it, it entertains you in like whatever form that takes, whether it like thrills or excites you, or you know has great action or is so bad it's good. Uh, and then you get these films that come along that just kind of capture your imagination and become these cultural phenomenons and. Stallone's use of boxing as a metaphor for life just perfectly encapsulates that. So, yeah, this film inspires me. It motivates me. Uh, I put it up there with certain films that I watch when I'm either feeling down or I feel like I need some impetus in my life. So, yeah, I would I would say that if you haven't seen Rocky ever, then you should definitely see it. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, and you think that Rocky is about training montages and the fights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go back and watch this film. Go back and realize and remember what it was that made you fall in love with this character. Take a chance and watch it. What about you, Devlin? Uh, It had been a long time since I'd seen this, and um, I could not have been more pleasantly surprised um i think in my head my version of rocky was still hooked on this kind of it's the you know the triumphant boxing and it's the it's the montages and it's the inspirational thing and it's you know um it all felt a bit cloyingly alpha male inspiration nonsense and then I watched this and I realized that that is very much not the case. This film is, um, 
is is a wonderful character study in the way that a lot of those great mid 70s films are character studies in the way that Hal Ashby used to make films mm-hmm. or um uh Sidney Lumet would make films yeah. the first half certainly is is like that it's this great kind of street level very empathetic portrait um there's so much detail packed into it it's um and it is populist it's shamelessly populist you know what it makes me think of is like um like a great kind of late 70s springsteen song oh yeah something like that which is just you know it's just it's gonna it's gonna g you up but it's it's not it's not disposable because you can tell that there's genuine affection there's there's work there's there's like years of pent-up frustration and aspiration packed into the script and i guess that's why it's continued to resonate with people just that it's it's authentic it's authentic in a way that as as interesting as some of the other films are to watch in the series it's never going to capture this again because this was this was everyone's shot mainly stallone's and all credit to Sylvester stallone for for concocting something uh quite so uh, affecting certainly i would fall under the category of somebody who who rewatched it for the first time in a long time and i would recommend that that anyone who hasn't seen it even in a few years go back and give it a watch mm. it's uh it's a fantastically well-made film uh patrick i agree with everything you've both said and for me uh i, I always remembered it fondly and i always remembered it as a really great film but re-watching it I, I, I don't know how long it's been since i watched rocky whereas i've seen rocky two three and four a lot more and Rocky Balboa and then recently I've um, I've been a huge fan of Creed which I thought was brilliant I think like Rocky 2, 3 and 4 are uh, just kind of almost a little bit more accessible and shown more on TV so I end up watching them more whereas revisiting Rocky after I don't know 5, 10 years I can't even remember I couldn't believe how much I appreciated or was taken aback by the direction, uh, the, the technicality of the film, the writing, the acting. And I just, I really, when I finished it, I really got a sense that I'd seen an absolute classic in Rocky, that it's just, it's high concept that we said about, and there's a few things that are manipulative, but I just, I, I can't really floor it. I don't mind the montage. I know Devlin had flaws with that, but... I, I was a bit spellbound. I, I didn't cry, but I was really emotionally involved in it. And it's my emotion was of happiness that you can prevail, that you can, I don't know, David and Goliath's story and Rocky is such a wonderful, endearing and everlasting character, I think. And I think that leads us yeah. on to Devlin. It's your turn. I am... I don't really want to hear it because I'm a bit scared. <laughs> but, <laughs> but come on then, Devlin, hit us up. Honestly, oh, this God. time out, you fucking oh. should be. <laughs> God, I've been never a good start. I've been wondering whether I should do this, but I'm going to. I'm going to because um, a lot of the films that we've picked recently, the person who picked it, and me included because I fucking love Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, <laughs> 
we've been picking films that that um that you know that 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 we still like and that's been cool oh. it's been cool to go back and watch God. these things and and get different perspectives on it and stuff but but i i feel like the the reason why we started this thing was to go back and look at films that lurked in our childhood or loomed over our childhoods or our formative years in strange ways because we're all busy men with jobs now and we don't have time for this bullshit but i'm gonna make both of you watch kevin costner's oscar-winning classic dances with wolves oh davlin (laughs) i did not i have not seen dances with wolves for i couldn't tell you the last time i saw it i'm gonna go into the whole story next time out but i can i watched it last christmas Jesus. (gasps) Oh. Well, a wrinkle in the plan. Very interesting. (laughs) Dances with Wolves is next. I didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bit gobsmacked, but great. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. It's Gally in Glasgow signing out. And Devon in London. Lovely to talk to you guys again. Wags from London. I'm going to go for a jog now. Um because like Rocky I'm going to put my zip up and get training you got five eggs for me Gally? I do have five eggs and I've also got a bit of advice for you women weaken legs thanks for listening guys we'll see you later